You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is March 16th, 2018. I hope your bracket survived the first day of the NCAA tournament. Mine did okay. Only lost one Sweet 16 team. Uh, the one, the exact one you're thinking of, of course, that would be Radford. Um, but uh, my name is Phil Prostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You, of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. Happy to be here on a Friday edition of Locked on Magic. Definitely a lot to get to on today's show. We're going to run through a couple things. Mostly, though, we'll talk about the Magic's game against the Boston Celtics. Of course, Orlando continuing their long homestand now as they get their chance at the uh, Eastern uh, one of the Eastern Conference's best teams once again, a team that they beat earlier in the year, if you recall, up in Boston. So another opportunity coming. We'll see if Aaron Gordon is back, although it's there's no indication that he will be back quite yet. Other than that, he's continuing to go through the concussion protocol. The Magic, of course, had Thursday off after the back-to-back. Then we're going to close the show talking a little bit about the Magic's point guard situation. It's a, it's a situation that has become a little bit more... High profile with the NCAA tournament starting and Alabama and Oklahoma both playing in the in uh, the NCAA tournament on Thursday. So I'll have some brief comments on where the Magic stand with their point guard situation and, and how they can go about getting better and solving it as we begin looking a little bit toward the offseason. Um, not uh, not a full-throated look at the offseason. We'll get to that, of course, in a couple of months. But let's start today talking about the game on Friday. The Orlando Magic will take on the Boston Celtics over at the Amway Center as they begin, as they continue their seven-game homestand. This game two of a seven-game homestand. Definitely a big opportunity for Orlando to score a big win against uh, a difficult but injured opponent. The Boston Celtics, of course, have been one of the best teams in the NBA all season. Fourth in the league in overall net rating. Second in the Eastern Conference, only behind the Toronto Raptors. 105.7 offensive rating, 101.5 defensive rating. They've been a defensive juggernaut all season long. This is a very, very good Celtics team, regardless of who's playing. They've obviously been without Gordon Hayward all year. Um, Kyrie Irving has been out the last couple games. He did travel with the team. I actually saw him walking around downtown Orlando on Thursday night. Um, But he's with the team. It's not clear if he will play in the game. But since the All-Star break, the Celtics have kind of have still been pretty good, actually. Plus 8.3 net rating. The off the defensive rating is up to 105.6, but the offensive rating is up at 113.9. The really impressive thing that Brad Stevens has done is he's, he's instilled this culture with the team. And, and and I know I talk about culture a lot with, when it comes to the Magic, but when you look at the Celtics, you look at how guys just step up to the plate every single night. Uh, Jason Tatum did it for various parts of of their overtime loss, their double overtime loss to the Washington Wizards on uh, on Wednesday. Uh, you got Terry Rozier, who's really starting to come into his own. Um, you know, guys like Aaron Baines have played really, really well in, in roles. Marcus uh, Morris has played really, really well in his role. Guys just seem to fit their roles with this team. And so while Boston is certainly down some key players right now, Kyrie Irving, the biggest one among them. Marcus Smart is going to miss some time. Daniel Theis, a, a solid player off the bench, a, a post off the bench, um, he is out as well with surgery. This Celtics team is still extremely dangerous. Now, now they're certainly ripe for the picking. Uh, the game against Washington, uh, you know, Washington is a good team. It's not like they're a bad team and that there's any shame in losing to them. 
Uh, but Washington definitely took advantage a little bit of Boston's inexperience. Um, this is still a relatively young Celtics team. Uh, you know, I joke all the time about how the, it's not a magic game without an inbounds turnover. The Celtics had a few inbounds turnovers as they were trying to ice away the game, and, and frankly, they gave that game away a little bit. And Boston, while they got off to such a hot start, has come back down to relative earth again. Boston's only 6-3 and three in their last nine games. That's since the All-Star break. Uh, and they fall into, I believe it's second or third in the Eastern Conference, or second in the Eastern Conference. They're in the playoffs already, uh, but obviously fighting for positioning, trying to keep up with the Toronto Raptors, who increasingly uh, are distancing themselves from the rest of the conference and the rest of the league, or at least that side of the league. Boston, of course, Boston does have have some dangerous weapons. This is a team that should still feel confident playing against a team like the Orlando Magic, and as I as I've said, seemingly for months now, the focus for the Magic is less on the opponent and more about them. Is Orlando going to play with the same fire and the same energy that they played with Wednesday night? Wednesday night they played pissed off. Sorry for the language. Wednesday night Orlando played angry and they played desperate. They knew they needed a win. They needed a win to get themselves off the mat after a disappointing, disheartening loss to the San Antonio Spurs. A loss where they frankly got embarrassed and they knew it. Their effort was was embarrassing. Wasn't good enough. And Orlando played a little bit out of their minds. They got 30-point nights from Jonathan Simmons and DJ Augustin. That's not going to happen again. So now Orlando has to find what's sustainable. Orlando has to find um, the energy. They have to find the focus that will carry them to the finish line more often than not. Now, you know, I, I get into this argument all the time when I you know, praise wins, and, and, and I know a certain segment of the fan, fan base does not like that. But I'm under no illusion. This is a team that struggled with consistency all year. It's not going to magically start happening, pun intended. This is a team that's just got to find that little bit of something that they can build upon with each win. I think it's a good thing to see the Magic try and win in the same way. I mentioned that uh, after yesterday, after Wednesday's game. Orlando has to has to find a way to build off of the success, whatever success it is that they have from the previous game. They have to find a success in each successive game and build and build and build and build. That's how you lay the foundation that you need to lay. And that's where Orlando is at right now. Orlando has to build this foundation. And so, of course... What I'm saying here is the Magic have that opportunity to do so Friday night against the Celtics. They need to come out with the same energy and intensity. That's the first place it starts. If they do that, they will give themselves a chance to win this game. They've already proven they can beat Boston. But you bring that ball movement, you can break down even a very good defense like the Celtics. And the Celtics are not playing defense like they were earlier in the season. Now, Getting Aaron Gordon back would obviously help a ton. Aaron Gordon was still in the concussion protocol, did not play Wednesday's game. Thursday, the Magic had off, did not see any news reports, at least as the time of recording, which is early, early morning Friday. Um, haven't seen any reports that, that Aaron Gordon was cleared. I'm sure he will go through the go through the final stage of the concussion protocol again 
on Friday if he didn't on Thursday. And Coach Frank Vogel will have the results of that. So be sure to follow at Omagic Daily as well as the other usual sources. Around 11 a.m., 11.15, probably close to 11.15, um, that's when Frank Vogel will talk to the media at Shootaround. That's when we'll get an update on Aaron Gordon. So be sure to follow me on Twitter at Daily to get the latest on Aaron Gordon's status for this game. Because, of course, we all know it is important to see Aaron Gordon play, especially uh, with Frank Vogel even mentioning specifically that the Magic want to see him and Jonathan Isaac play together. So we will get to see that combo. I think it's only been... Uh, 14 total minutes of those two players on the floor uh, together since the All-Star break. So the Magic definitely want to try that out. And the first step to doing that is getting Aaron Gordon back healthy. Um, Again, tip off to this game, 7 o'clock at the Amway Center. The Magic taking on the Boston Celtics. Wear black. It's a blackout Friday, as it usually is. The Magic will be wearing their uh, usual... Uh, uh, what are they? Statement jerseys, statement jersey, statement edition jerseys uh, for the Friday home games. And uh, while you're at it, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Posted a great article from our former tank commander Zach Palmer on the Magic trying to turn the focus to Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac. We'll talk a little bit more about that as well as a few other issues uh, on Monday's episode of Locked On Magic and Sunday during the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. But today, I I wanted to talk more about the the point guard situation. Um, Obviously, it's kind of on everyone's mind a little bit uh, Friday because Trey Young played for Oklahoma. The Sooners bowed out of the NCAA tournament in an overtime loss to Rhode Island. And Colin Sexton played for Alabama. And, and a win over Virginia Tech to, to reach the second round of the NCAA tournament on Saturday against Villanova. Those two players, Trey Young and Colin Sexton, are widely regarded as the top two traditional point guards in this draft. Luka Doncic uh, kind of plays point guard from the shooting guard position. But Young and Sexton are widely regarded as the top two point guards in this draft. And unlike last year, which was full of point guards and, you know, Frank Tilakina. Darren Fox, Dennis Smith, Marco Fultz. This is not a draft full of point guards. If you go back and listen to Tuesday's episode of Locked on Magic uh, with Ricky Skricka, when we talk about the draft prospects, there are not a lot of guards we're talking about in that in that podcast. Trey Young, we, we touched a little bit on Colin Sexton, who I think is just outside that group. Ricky is not as high on Sexton as other people are. Um, this, is, this is just not a strong crop. And, you know, undoubtedly... Orlando is in need of some point guard help. When the Magic traded Alfred Payton, they left a gigantic hole at the point guard position. Yeah, DJ Augustin is a nice player. Let's let's not kid ourselves. He is a very nice player, a very solid player uh, in a lot of ways. Has done a lot of really good things and has played exceedingly well since the All-Star break. So has Shelvin Mack. But no one is confusing the two for starting point guards in the long run. For all the good that Augustin can do offensively, and he's been very good offensively since the All-Star break, for all the good that he can do in that time, he still has some major shortcomings on the defensive end. And just generally, I just 
I don't think people consider him a starting point guard. I mean, between Augustin and Mack, the two Magic point guards are averaging 4.7 turnovers per game since the All-Star break. When you look at the Magic's needs, point guard is absolutely a critical need for this team. So yes, since the All-Star break, so essentially since since the trade deadline, DJ Augustin is averaging 14.1 points per game, shooting 52% from the floor and 52.5% from beyond the arc, adding 5.5 assists per game. He has been really good and quietly really good. I noted this in my grades post on Wednesday after he dropped 30 that... Augustin has been putting up solid numbers for a very, very long time. And he just does, he's just very solid. He's just very good. In a way that you don't always notice him. But he'll have his big turnover games, and and, and he's not the impactful point guard that you seem to need in the NBA these days. Perhaps a, a, a player like Augustin is the direction the Magic want to go at point guard, a guy who's kind of a score first, can, can pull up and shoot jumpers, and... Really what I like about Augustin is he plays really well off the ball. That's why I like him and Simmons together a lot um, because he'll, he's a great spot-up shooter. But Augustin's not the answer. Shelvin Mack in 21.2 minutes per game since the All-Star break is averaging 8.8 points per game, shooting 46.1% from the floor, 46.9% from beyond the arc, 3.6 assists per game, 2.3 turnovers per game. DJ Augustin at 2.4 turnovers per game. Again, Mack is solid. Does whatever you need him to do. But these aren't impact players. These aren't game-changing players. And while Mack, I think, is probably a little bit better defensively than Augustin, they're not game-changers on that end either. So maybe the Magic have upgraded a little bit defensively at point guard with the way Peyton struggled sometimes, but Augustin's not much better. Offensively, the Magic certainly have more shooting in those two. But everyone, it seems, is eyeing a new point guard. And so how are the Magic going to resolve this issue? Well, don't worry about it this year. Augustine will start the rest of the season. But the draft, that's going to be tricky. In fact, I would find it more likely that the Magic pass on a Trey Young or Colin Sexton and look to the second round to fill that point guard need or to try and fill that point guard need. In fact, I would venture to guess that the Magic's point guard situation is going to remain relatively unresolved heading into next season. While it is a priority position, while it is something that the Magic do need to address in some way, the long-term answer, the more permanent answer, may not come so soon. And if that's the case, the Magic do need to ask themselves the very important question. Are we okay with DJ Augustin as our starting point guard in 2019? Maybe it's too soon to ask that question in such a way. Maybe... It's, it's a little too early to say that because we anticipate there are going to be some tra- trades. And you can, of course, address the point guard issue through that avenue. With the Magic having so little cap room, the major issues the Magic do want to address are going to come in that process. And considering the salary that Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic, Terrence Ross, the guys that the Magic are most likely trying to trade, they'll have to take back a little bit of salary. And so if they end up trading, say, Nikola Vucevic for a point guard, I don't know who it would be, that starts at a salary of $12, $13 million a year for maybe an extra year, 
that will probably be your starting point guard next year. You can see just how muddied these waters are. Life would be so much simpler if it were clear that Alfred Payton were the guy. But of course, the Magic weren't willing to commit to him long term. Not with how unworkable the Magic's formula had become. For now, the Magic point guard situation is steady. Augustin is producing. He's doing a good job managing the team. He gets the ball to Jonathan Simmons, who can create a little bit more and drive a little bit more effectively than Augustin can at times. And Augustin is playing really, really well. When the Magic signed Augustin last year, this is the DJ Augustin they were hoping to get off the bench. He is delivering for the team this year and is having a great season, especially after how disappointed even he admitted he was last year. Shelvin Mack has proven himself to be a more than serviceable backup, providing just consistent play throughout. In fact, the problem with Shelvin Mack almost is that the Magic are asking him to be the main creator, and that's not who he is. But obviously the Magic need that main creator. Obviously the Magic need that guy to kind of kick the team into overdrive a little bit. And that's going to be one of the big questions Jeff Weltman and John Hammond and the Orlando Magic face this offseason. Because there are a lot of positions that need upgrading on this roster. But none more so, it seems, than point guard. A question that the Magic have been seemingly trying to solve for a very, very long time. Before we close out today's show, I do want to just briefly comment on some of the games at the NCAA tournament. Of course, we're keeping an eye on the NCAA tournament because the Magic are going to have a high draft pick. They're going to they're currently slated to have the fourth best odds in the in the NBA draft lottery, which will take place in May. Uh, and so we're, we're keeping an eye on the NCAA tournament and some of the top prospects that are playing in these games. And uh, of course, the big news for the NCAA tournament was the stunning upset of Arizona Buffalo. The 13 seed defeating Arizona 89-68. They were not my pick to win the national championship this year, but in my first run through, I thought to myself, Arizona has the goods to win the national championship. I really did think they had the goods to win the national championship. They they have that much talent, but quite clearly, it was not enough. Quite clearly, um, the, the, the mix did not work. DeAndre Ayton is a, I wouldn't say presumptive number one pick, but presumptive top two pick, I would I would say, in this year's draft. He finished the game with 14 points, 13 rebounds, five offensive rebounds, got a block, got a steal, six for 13 shooting from the floor. It, an okay game for Ayton. He played 38 minutes. Um, really did some good work on the glass. He was clearly dominant there, but Buffalo did, I think, a really good job pulling away from the basket defensively. Um, they used a, a five-small lineup uh, and, and just kind of bet that they could beat Arizona's guards, and they did. Alonzo Trier, who I think is a, could be a solid second-round pickup, 4 for 15, 0 for 5 from beyond the arc. Really just poor effort, poor game from him overall in a game where the, where the Wildcats needed him to deliver. Raleigh Alkins, 4 for 9, shooting 8 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Um, just... Not a good game for Arizona in any way. They shoot only 45.3% from the floor, just 2 for 18 from beyond the arc. And when with Buffalo making 15 of 33 pointers, when you give up, what, 13, that's 13, a differential of 13 threes, that is 
39 points off the board. That's how you lose a game by 21 points. And in college, the three-point line is very hit or miss. There's, there's, There are plenty of statistical studies that show that you can't control for the three-point line in the college game. In the college game, it is just blind chance whether teams are going to get hot and make a ton of threes. And in a single elimination tournament, this is what happens. This is what happens. So Arizona should be very disappointed. Their defense should be a lot better. They should have expected to win this game. But credit to Buffalo for having a great game plan and and beating Arizona. Um, They doubled and tripled uh, Aiton in the post a lot, forced him to be a passer. And I think he's actually a pretty good passer out of those double teams. Um, Gets a little rattled at times. But overall, um, not a lot for Aiton to be disappointed in here. He had a great, great season at Arizona. He's going to be a top-two pick. This doesn't ruin his draft stock at all. Um, Would have been nice to see him play up against Kentucky and and eventually even Virginia. Um, If they would have gotten that far, they they would have been a contender to win the national championship. They have the talent. But unfortunately, it comes down to what you do in the game at the appointed time. Buffalo played the better game, outscoring Arizona 49-30 in the second half. Again, 15-for-30 shooting from beyond the arc. That's enough to make a huge difference, a huge dent in an Arizona team that could not buy a bucket and really seemed rattled. We're not expecting Buffalo to give to push them around as much as they did. The Bulls did, and the Bulls get credit for a major victory. Other notable players from around the NCAA tournament, um, Oklahoma falling to Rhode Island 83-78 to in overtime, but not for a lack of trying from Trey Young. Trey Young... 28 points, 7 assists, 9 for 18 shooting, 3 for 9 from beyond the arc. Six turnovers, though. Young, I thought, took over the game at the end of the second half as as Oklahoma was trying to come back and force overtime. was a big reason they forced overtime, but Trey Young ended up just taking some bad shots. That's kind of what he does because there there isn't a lot. It never felt like there was a lot of trust in his teammates. He's able to get them passes, able to get them open, kind of through his own penetration, through his own dribbling, but when push comes to shove... He wants the ball in his hands, and, and he isn't going to really trust anyone else. And that, that's going to be something interesting to watch of him uh, at the next level, whether that carries over or whether that's just a product of the environment that he's in with the Sooners. The turnovers, though, continue to be a problem with, with Young. As much as he's been a gifted scorer, he also leads the nation in turnovers. How much of that is high usage? How much of that is poor decision-making? How much of that is him trying to force things, especially with Oklahoma trying desperately to get to overtime at the end of this game? Those are question marks that we can't really answer until he gets to the NBA level. I, a lot of people were very high on Trey Young at the beginning of the season when he was putting up crazy point numbers and scoring numbers, and Young will still do that. Young can put up a lot of points, but a lot of growing skepticism about him uh, and about what he can do at the NBA level. So, disappoint. Not surprising to see Young's collegiate collegiate career end here, or not. It's not necessarily over, but see Oklahoma season end here. Um, Young did all he could. I thought played pretty well. Um, you saw exactly what you what you expect to see from him, uh, with including all of his flaws, obviously. Uh, and so uh, that's how that game ends there. Uh, for Duke, Duke blew out uh, Iona, eighty nine to sixty seven. Not a whole lot to say there. Marvin Bagley, twenty two point seven rebounds, ten for fourteen shooting. Wendell Carter Jr., nine points, eight rebounds, two steals, one block for him. Uh, so not a whole lot to say there. Villanova blew out Radford 87 to 61. Macal Bridges with 13 points, six rebounds on five for 10 shooting, made three of six from beyond the arc. Uh, last notable player I think we should get to uh, is uh, 
Alabama's Colin Sexton. Uh, Alabama with an 86-83 win over Virginia Tech, continuing their hot play from the SEC tournament. Colin Sexton finishes with 25 points, 6 assists, 7 for 14 shooting, 10 for 14 from the foul line, and 5 turnovers um, for him. From from what I understand, I didn't get a chance to watch Alabama a lot because I was watching Arizona. Uh, Sexton really settled down in the second half, was kind of wild in the first half, um, really drove uh, the, the, the tie to win the game. That's what he kind of does. I mean, I think I think if there is something to say about Sexton, he's, he, his shot's a little bit flawed. Um, he's not the greatest shooter in the world. Uh, you know, obviously young guy's going to have some turnover issues, but I think the one thing that we can all say about Sexton, and, and this does count for something, is there is a lot of dog in him. That guy is going to fight. That guy is going to play hard and give you everything he's got. And and defensively, he's he's okay. Um, defensively, certainly not not bad. Offensively, got a long way to go with his shot, but he can create, he can drive, he can dish it decently well, and he's going to keep fighting. Um, you know, the famous game from earlier in the year against Minnesota, Alabama had to play five on three, and, and Sexton had a humongous game, nearly defeating Minnesota with five players, um, with only three players on his side. Um, this was that kind of game. Where Sexton just is just going to do whatever it takes to win the game, and and I think that drive and that determination does count for something. That 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 does matter, right? That 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 is an important quality and intangible to have that not everyone has, and certainly I think Magic fans can relate. That yes, that is pretty darn important at the end of the day. So those are the that's a review of the big prospects that played in Thursday's opening of the NCAA tournament. We'll keep an eye on these. I'll probably do another update, um, if not Monday, then I'll do one Tuesday ahead of next week's games as we we keep an eye on some of these top prospects heading into the NCAA tournament again. NCAA tournament games will be all day Friday, but be sure to tune into the Magic at seven o'clock against the Boston Celtics. Don't worry, I won't blame you if you don't. And of course, congratulations to the Florida Gators defeating. Uh, St. Bonaventure, uh, 77-62 in a really solid game. Surprisingly solid game for the Gators, uh, finally looking a little bit like they did at the beginning of the year. And sorry to the Miami Hurricanes, who lost to Loyola Chicago. Got to get the Florida teams in there. Well, that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Be sure to check out, uh, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Be sure to check out Zach Palmer's article on the Magic needing to focus on playing Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac together as much as they can for the rest of the season. I think that's a statement we can all agree with. He gives you the reasons why that is so important on orlandomagicdaily.com. You can check that out right now on orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening. We'll be back again Monday with another episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, be sure to check out the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live Sunday. That'll air at noon on Facebook. Um, we'll do it. Well, I'll probably have the NCAA tournament. Uh, if the NCAA tournament starts that early, I don't remember if it does on Sunday. But if it does, well, I'll have the games on. We can do a little second screen experience. So be sure to join me for the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. Again, that's Sunday at noon on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook page, facebook.com slash Orlando Magic Daily. That's going to do it for me today, though. On uh, For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I will see you all again next time for another episode 
of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 